Dare we open Pandora's mystic box? To every generation, a slayer is born, except this time, there were six. This is the dimension of imagination. You are entering the mystic zone. Do you ladies see that aura? Something wonderful this way comes. Welcome to the Mystic Podcast. We're the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers. And this is Season 2, and I'm Queen Gail. And I'm Margie, the Mystic Illuminator. I'm Marion, the Mystic Dog Whisperer. I'm Mary, the Nebulous Mystic. And I am Joanne, the Mystic Defender. Today is the first of our new season, season two. It's also the first of the year, so uh, we wanted to do something special, so we invited an extremely special guest, a very talented and accomplished and all-around brilliant, which he gets from his mother, Rivers Langley. Welcome. Welcome. Yay, Rivers. (laughs) Yay, Rivers. Well, Rivers, uh, why are you in Alabama? Uh, I'm here for um, a friend's second wedding, which I'm told are more fun than the first wedding. Uh, The first wedding of uh, this particular friend happened. They got married at the courthouse, and at the time they were working at the Big Blue Bagel downtown, and they were like, well, who needs a reception? Let's just break into the store we work in and have the ceremony or the reception there. And uh, so they opened up the bagel. It was dark. There was no food. So someone had to go to Kroger and get a uh, platter of sausage and cheese cubes. And bagels? And uh, no bagels. No, the store was closed. There was no bagels. And, uh, and then uh, three cases of uh, Paps Blue Ribbon. And that was their first, uh, their first wedding ceremony. And that didn't, uh, didn't take. So I'm not surprised. So he's, he did it again, my friend. And uh, yeah, so I was home for that. Is this, time, this time I take it was a lot better. A lot more highly organized. It was at a... It was at a building we were allowed to be in. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. The first time it was, uh, like I said, it was just the, the bagel shop. I don't think anybody knew we were occupying said bagel shop. We just kind of let ourselves in. That, we're just glad you're home, baby. Oh, thank you. Well, now, because it's the first of the year, and we all probably uh, need to greet the first of the year with resolutions, I'm wondering, did any of the mystics or our lovely guest have a resolution this year? I'll start. Cricket, obviously. crickets, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did, Mary? I did. I had one for 2019. Does that count? I can tell you how well I succeeded at it. Okay. I did that. There's really a, a, there's a website called My One Word, and I was so out of sorts in 2019 that I thought I needed help, so I went to an actual website, which I probably found on Pinterest, the Pinterest Life. And so I was like, how do I make a good New Year's resolution? It said, just do one word. So my one word was persist. And the only thing I had to persist in was quitting my job or retiring from my job and finding a part-time job. And I did that. I persisted. I made myself retire and work part-time. And you're back in Auburn. We're glad to have you. I know. And so that kind of worked for me. So um, I'm trying to get away from the Pinterest life now that I'm more in control, <laughs> that I may do one word again. It's going to be something like... Um, it's too late. Settle or something settle. like, you know, establish or so, you know, somehow get used to my new life. I might be the only person I know that ever made a resolution to work less 
but I had to do it, and I'm proud. No, I don't think so. A lot of people. My whole life's work has been to work less. There you go. Well, you have to make a one-word resolution. Well, what was your resolution, Marion? My resolution for 2019 was to get a massage a month. I would have loved to have gotten a massage a Is this day. from your boyfriend? No, no, no. I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> oh. She might have to travel if she had a boyfriend. But I um, <laughs> figured out, um, thanks to Mystic Joanne, I found a package Oh, a yes. massage package oh, that I Joanne see. was so familiar with. So that's like with. one week so your have, feet, the I next week bundled. your head. <laughs> oh, bundled. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I get a massage a month, as it is right now. Not a week, but a month. And I've, I've done it. Okay. Well, my uh, resolution is never to limit my cussing or to lose weight or to be a better person because I've tried it and it just doesn't work. So uh, I'm limiting my use of plastic and red meat. And so far, the red meat one's not working. (laughs) You haven't tried the Impossible Whopper yet? I haven't tried the Impossible Whopper. Well, there's your problem right there. you got to go try that Impossible Whopper. I have had the Impossible Whopper. It's it's outstanding. It is very good, actually. It's It's very good. It's the name I don't like. I was eating it before it was the Impossible Whopper, and it's very good. (laughs) We were traveling, my sister and I, and she is not only a Catholic, she is a diehard Catholic, and she will not eat meat on Friday. We were traveling on Friday. That damn liberal John Paul II I know, ruining he, uh, my, my religion what with was his he Vatican II get out of here. So we tried the Impossible Whopper, and she was sitting there eating, and she said, this is really good. This is, you know, I can do this. It's, even if it's Friday, this is wonderful. She goes, and it's probably healthy for you. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's same calorie count. It's not healthy. Yeah. No, it's more. It's more? It's more. It has more sodium. Yeah. That's a that's a little bit misreported, and I'm sure the beef industry is behind the misreporting. It has more sodium, and it's not healthy. It never has claimed to be healthy. Well, why would the beef industry be behind it? Because it's so good. They want you to eat meat. Oh, yeah. they're just saying that. Kill a cow. It isn't as it, is it the Beyond Burger? No, that's a that's a uh, Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's. Oh. The, they're they're the same thing. Same Basically, thing. they're both like. You know, uh, Silicon Valley sort of startups uh, that were trying to get to the same product, uh-huh. which is to essentially reverse engineer uh, beef uh, using all plant materials. So instead of fat, like naturally occurring, like, you know, fat lipids and stuff, they've used coconut oil. So while it is the same calorie counts, uh, the stuff doesn't stay in your body as long because it's it's all veggie stuff. And the Beyond Burger's pea protein, whereas the Impossible Burger's not pea protein. They're made of t- different ingredients. Yeah. And one really important thing to point out is that um, Beyond Meat and Beyond Burgers aren't cows. They aren't those beautiful little animals with the big doe eyes and the velvet ears that stare at you when you drive by us. You know, that's that's an important distinction yes, to make. If you're saving the helping to save the earth, yes. it's, what's a little calorie? Well, you know what? Margie didn't get a, tell us her resolution, and I think she went to a New Year's party because she fell asleep a minute ago while we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, one of my resolutions was to get a little more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fulfilling it. <laughs> I want to interrupt and tell y'all about Margie and sleep for a minute. We stayed in a hotel recently. (laughs) I want y'all to imagine Margie. She's tall and slender, and she has black hair with this little white shock in the front. (laughs) When it's time to go to bed, I'm like 
rolling around on my side of the hotel room. And I look over there, and oh, my God, there's this ninja sneaking around in our hotel room. And it's Margie. She's she's wearing, like, a bodysuit, a solid <laughs> black bodysuit. And her long arms and legs are spindling around. My husband told me I look like a shadow. Oh, it's, uh, you should all sleep with Margie. No, I'm not sleeping with Margie. No Do matter you know, how much she man. loves me, I'm not sleeping Wait, is this, with Wait, this is the... the the pajamas or what? Yeah. It's it's like a leotard. And you sleep yeah. in this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't bunch up, you know. Or I mean, okay. Well, I think it was like one of those um, kind of a turtleneck, a lightweight from Uniqlo, that yeah. Japanese company. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. In, in case you want to burgle some diamonds in your right, sleep. Right, yeah. right, right. When, when you said Ninja Turtle, I, Rivers had Ninja Turtle pajamas. I figured yours were Ninja Turtle pajamas. You no, just you. just Ninja. Classic just ninja. ninja. Yeah, classic Ninja. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. not the turtle kind. Well, Mary was afraid that she was going to be throwing stars in the night, though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as usual, we've strayed from uh, what we decided to talk about today, but what's new, girls, and honored guests. But what we decided we were going to talk about today was unusual museums and other roadside attractions. I know Mr. Rivers Langley's been to a million unusual museums, so Mr. Langley... What's your most unusual museum? Uh, the one I wanted to talk about is, uh, have you guys been to the Mojave Desert at any point? No. Okay. No. Okay, so uh, east of Los Angeles, there's the Mojave Desert. It's huge. Stretches from California to Nevada. And in the middle of that desert is an ongoing ecological disaster uh, slash roadside attraction called the Salton Sea. Uh, has anyone oh, yeah. heard of the Salton yeah. Sea? Oh, yes. Yeah, Keep so going. basically uh, the Salton Sea story kind of starts in 1905. It's this gigantic, big prehistoric lake bed. 65 million years ago when there were dinosaurs and such, there was a giant lake. And then uh, the Rocky Mountains started to form, separated the lake from the ocean, cut off the, uh, the exit flow of the lake, and the lake dried up. So it's a big salt flat. Nearby is the Colorado River. And basically there's enough sunshine to where if you could get irrigation in there, you could absolutely grow plants year round. So in 1905, they started selectively damming up sections of the Colorado River and running it into the nearby Coachella Valley. So if you've heard of the Coachella Music Festival, that's where that's where we're talking about. Uh, and that area is now home to uh, gigantic palm farms where they grow palm trees. So, you know, it's like where rich people buy their palm trees from. But they started basically digging these canals and irrigating this valley, and they did it by building levees. And in 1905, there was a series of winter storms, as there often are. Southern California gets basically no rainfall until it gets tons of rainfall in the, in the spring uh, and in the late winter. So these storms come and break the levees, and now all of a sudden the Colorado River is running just unopposed into this prehistoric lake bed. And it took them two years to stop the water. So the lake bed slowly filled up over the course of two years and became a body of water that's the largest lake in California. It's, uh, it's roughly two-thirds the size of the San Francisco Bay. So it's massive. Uh, and wow. it is in the middle of the desert. It's about 40 miles south of Palm Springs. Yeah, so as far as roadside attraction goes, um, it's great because... Once this, this lake sort of fills up, it's this giant freshwater lake. It's close by to Palm Springs. Of course, you know, in the 40s and 50s and late early 60s, Palm Springs was the coolest place to live. That's where Gene Autry had all of his hotels. That's where Bob Hope was, Frank Sinatra, that kind of thing. So it became this sort of 
celebrity hotspot. They built these huge resorts all around the lake, and there's videos of people water skiing and all this stuff. And everything was cool until, uh, basically until I, I believe the, uh, the, first, the first problem started to emerge. It all kind of starts uh, in the late 60s where the salinity starts to go up. Because, of course, like the Great Salt Lake in Utah, there's no exit flow for the water. So the water is basically, the level is going down and it's getting saltier and saltier. And also, there's still a bunch of agriculture happening in the area, so all of the agricultural wastewater is just flowing into this lake, and it has nowhere to go. So the lake is highly polluted, it's turning into salt, and with that comes a bunch of algae blooms. At some point, they decided to fill the lake with fish, so people could fish. And all of the fish died except for the tilapia, so if you're at a restaurant, here is your hint to never eat tilapia because they were able to survive sewage, toxic waste sludge. They were able to survive the water turning from fresh water to salt water. Uh, and now the only two real species of like water, you know, of uh, aquatic uh, animals are in this lake are tilapia and barnacles. And the barnacles came from uh, the Pacific Ocean. Now, how did they get there from the Pacific Ocean? Nearby is a couple of Air Force bases. And so seaplanes during World War II, when they would train, they would take off from the Salton Sea, fly over the mountains, land on the Pacific Ocean, take off again, land back in the Salton Sea. And at some point, some barnacles clamped onto those planes, and they'd land in the Salton Sea. And now there's a bajillion barnacles. And approximately, I talked to the park ranger, he said there's a, they estimate about 145 million tilapia in this lake. Whoa. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never liked tilapia. To me, it tastes like mildew. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm friends with she several chefs, and they refer to them as sea rats. Like, it's the worst sea meats. Uh, of all the sea meats, tilapia is the worst. Anyway, yeah, so you've got all these tilapia, and then you start getting these big algae blooms in the summer, because in the summer, there's no rain. It's extremely hot. You're talking about the Mojave Desert, so temperatures go above 100 pretty much every day for four or five months. And uh, these algae blooms would kill about a million or so, and this still happens to every, every year, about a million or so tilapia die, Gosh. which sounds like a lot, but until you consider there's 145 million of these fish. So a million is nothing to the population, but to the people that live in the lake, that is one million dead fish washing up on the shore of this yes, desert lake every year. Say. And so this, you know, this, this stomach-churning stench uh, just completely takes over this valley where there's no wind, there's nothing to wash all these fish out. It's just hell on earth. And I think I would have moved. Yeah, well, so funny you mentioned that. That's exactly what happened. So uh, prior to these big algae blooms, there were all these resorts, and then they and they refer to it as the smell, like the year the smell came. And uh, as soon as the smell started happening, everybody left and went back to Palm Springs and left behind these sort of ruined uh, resorts very much like kind of a planned resort community. So they named all of the beaches things after uh, various cities in either India or the Middle East. So it's like Bombay Beach, Mecca Beach, <laughs> Medina Beach, because they have these grand plans of being this desert oasis. Now they're still there. They've Is all, it a ghost town? Yeah, it's, to, it's almost a ghost town. Like all of the resorts are starting to crumble. There's just graffiti on everything. All the windows are broken. Nobody lives there around the lake. In Bombay Beach, which is the most populous city on the Salton Sea, 
It is the cheapest land in America. Sounds like a mystic uh, photo shoot. It, yeah, right. Yeah, well, you're going to want to go during the day. Because during the day, it's kind of this arts community. Um, probably the most famous depiction of the Salton Sea area is in the movie Into the Wild. Alex Supertramp, before he you know went to Alaska and died in that bus, yep. he spent, I think, a year living in the community is out there. It's like a big arts kind of community, but also everyone is on So meth. the artists <laughs> didn't leave because they don't mind the smell of fish? Well, yeah. Well, because it's cheap. You can yeah. just live out Starving there. Starving artists. Yeah. They call, they call the area the last free place in America because literally you can just have a trailer out there if you're here. Listen, if you're listeners, if you commit a crime... You're gonna to want to go out to the Salton Sea. Just drop hey. off the grid. That's where you go. Like if if you want to. So there are a lot of criminals and artists out there. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're one and the same. I it, can't believe that. Well, so like I was saying, you're gonna to want to go out during the day if you visit because at night everyone's on crank and they all are. You know, they got knives. And uh, what is crank? Uh, crystal methamphetamine. So it, it's it's that kind of place. But the reason I bring all this up, uh, there are two. Uh, roadside attractions there and both of them are uh, pretty interesting and worth your time if you do decide to go out there one of them is the international banana museum which is it's basically this guy's collection of everything related to bananas so there are little figurines there are little banana figurines yeah so there's a website internationalbananamuseum.com and i'll just read the intro Come and marvel at our world record collection. We have over 25,000 banana-related items and pictures <laughs> residing at our museum. After your eyes have split over our appealing atmosphere, stop by our banana bar and order a bunch of tasty treats like our homemade banana... There's no reason to do that one. Uh, homemade <laughs> banana ice cream and our delicious banana milkshakes. Then when the time is ripe, uh, dress up our array of banana wear and go bananas as you take some fun-filled pictures in front of our giant banana statue. Afterwards, did you take a picture in front of indeed the Indeed I did. <laughs> Afterwards, feel free to check out our banana-rific merchandise before you head home so you can leave peeling great. Am I, am oh I getting a banana statue for Christmas, honey? I mean, yeah, I guess. And none of it's for sale. That's the weird thing. You go in there and it's like they have a few gifts and stuff at the gift shop, but no bananas. You have no bananas today. Yes, yes, we have no bananas. Uh, How about Joe? Does Uh, Joe have no bananas today? uh, Admission to the museum is, uh, and this is interesting, it's $1 for adults and $1 for kids. <laughs> and that's listed. Like, why you wouldn't just put admission is a dollar is beyond me. Uh, but I yeah. think they should charge the children two dollars. I mean, of yeah, course. yeah, with trinkets. Monday. Oh, this is fun. Uh, Monday is our day for maintenance. Only ice cream and frozen bananas are available for that day. So if you come in on Monday, you can just get the snacks that you can't actually get into the museum. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, there's there's some. There's some photos of it. You can see it's a, uh, I mean, it's a big museum oh, wow. full of banana stuff, uh, just oh, banana yes. trinkets. Uh-oh, it went away. Anything? Oh, there it is. There it is. Changing out. Is, is that the home of Chiquita Banana? No, it's in the, mi- I mean, when I say it's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's like, imagine a Roadrunner and Coyote cartoon <laughs> with the Banana Museum in the middle of it. It's like that desolate. But you have to import bananas. Yeah. So that that seems like an awful waste to well, have a banana museum in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's uh, you know no, all of the bananas are 
are plastic, you know. Oh, that either, except the frozen ones. Yeah, I mean, you can get the frozen ones, yeah. but it's only 40 miles from Palm Springs. You know, there okay. are, you know, there's, we, we got large, there's there large desert cities. So you said there was a second attraction. What is that? The second attraction, pulling up the uh, the picture, I'll send it to you guys so you can put it up on your Twitter, at the Mystics Pod. Yeah, the second attraction is also uh, in the Salton Sea area, and that is uh, called Salvation Mountain. Ooh. Salvation Mountain is a gigantic rock in the middle of the desert that, uh, <laughs> I'm just reading from the Wikipedia, Salvation Mountain is a hillside visionary ex- uh, environment created by local resident Leonard Knight in the California desert area of Imperial County, and uh, it's basically a giant rock that they've covered in adobe and straw, and he painted the entire thing to look like, I believe it's supposed to be like the Book of Mark or something like that. It's got like the Holy Land. It's a bit like the Cross Garden in Prattville, except it's in the middle of the desert. Marion, you've been to the Cross Garden in Prattville, haven't you? I sure have. I love to. I used to go there when I was depressed. <laughs> oh, nice. Love that. And I've also been to the Cross Garden. We should share some pictures of our Cross Garden adventures on That's Twitter. Right. Also, I have some when I was young and foolish and went to the Cross Garden. Yeah, we just went to the Ave Maria Grotto on our way to uh, be headliners for. The book festival in Moulton. Yay, she got it right. (laughs) (laughs) Not Dalton, not Dalton. Decatur and Moulton. Before we leave the Salton Sea, I have to say that there is a delightful documentary movie called The Plagues and Pleasures of the Salton Sea, and it's narrated by... John Waters. Yeah, that's the uh, the PBS one, right? John Waters does a PBS show. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. It's the PBS one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Anyway, it's delightful, and uh, because I did marry a movie man, that's how I learned about things like the Salton Sea. Yeah, so. that one's cool, and you can actually watch the whole thing on YouTube for free. That's your uh, that's better. your blog, isn't it, Mary? Yes, I married a movie man. All right. Well. I know somebody else has been to a weird museum, so who's... While we're, while we're out west, um, when Jimmy and I went, my husband and I went to Montana, we were on our way to Glacier National Park. When you hit north Montana, town after town after town have dinosaur museums. You went to East Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's, I uh, <laughs> have always wanted to be there. That's uh, that's also nearby. That is, uh, they call that Slab City. Uh, it was a former, they had uh, Air Force barracks out there. So they had these giant concrete slabs where they had the barracks built. Now the barracks are gone. And this is, they refer to this as the last free place in America because you can just build whatever you want out here and no one's going to stop you. So if you <laughs> wanted to build a house out here, go for it. The Send land. me that picture. It's, so there's a subdivision called East Jesus and there's Camp Goonies. Goonies one of my favorite movies by the way oh yeah yeah so but yeah there's all this freaky stuff up there where they've they've kind of put mannequins out and they hang strange things from the trees <laughs> it's uh it's it's pretty weird but yeah like it i said like, you just you just want to go during the day what's the name of the the place that i have never been is the art or they've out, outside art in, in Montana? Pasaquan. Oh, Pasaquan. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what it reminds <coughs> me. Oh, well, they don't have dummies in Pasaquan. No dummies in Pasaquan. <laughs> no. Just smart people. They're aliens. They do have bananas. Statues. They have lots of bananas. <laughs> but, but That's what I heard. Don't touch those well, bananas. We don't touch those bananas because we'll get a dread disease. <laughs> yes. I have to say, Joanne, I, in Montana, I went to Ringling, Montana, which is deserted. It's where Ringling Brothers Circuits used to camp oh, yeah. when I was hitchhiking one time from Denver to Calgary yeah. to, s- to go to a rock Isn't festival. is unseemly for a mystic to hitchhike? Well, that was in 1971. <laughs> Back in the day. 
I learned uh, how big uh, Wyoming and Montana were. They're bigger than Georgia. <laughs> really? Montana goes on and on and on. And that's why we found delightful. We got um, the Montana Dinosaur Trail, and we went from museum to museum to museum. And each museum, it's remarkable because they have found thousands of dinosaurs up there. All these museums have more dinosaur fossils than I have ever seen, even on Wikipedia. Um, and one place we went, I think it was in Malta, they had set up what I thought was a display of an archaeologist's office. And I was just helping myself and walking through it going, oh, look at this. And this got little display cases set up here. And, and then the archaeologist came in and said, can I help you? This is my office. <laughs> I did that one time in the Chicago Museum of Art. I walked into this room and it was all painted white boxes and painted white shelves on the wall and I thought well this is really kind of abstract and I actually I like it very much and I walked out and there was a sign that says do not enter and no installed art <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of art and the west one place that I would love to go see but I, I don't know that it's finished is the Rodin Crater the artist James Terrell has done this installation in an extinct volcano and you can go in it and you look at the sky. I mean, it's really, it's out, I think it's in northern Arizona or New Mexico. But that is something to try to go see. I think you, it's so not what, what kind what of if art? it's not finished, we can't go well, see Well, he it. would, ha you have to have permission from him. Well, what, it, what is he doing with his extinct volcano? Well, it lets you see the sky. He's built a thing over it. And so you, you go in it. It's to meditate, really. And you go in and you look up and you can see all the stars at night. I mean, as they pass oh. by. And then he, he works a lot with light. James Terrell is a Quaker. And he's very much concerned with sitting still and watching and looking at the light. And... Um, it's uh, it's really they, the you Quakers know. invented the concept of solitary confinement. Did yes, they? They exactly. did. It's the reason that uh, all the prisoners drive themselves insane and bash their heads into the wall and stuff. Yeah, because you're supposed to sit silently and and pray and redeem yeah. yourself. It's where like we that. get contemplate your way of. That's it's where we get the word penit. Penitentiary. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to sit and be penitent. Yep. Wow. And I thought the Quakers are really <laughs> peaceful. <laughs> no, they're pretty bad. And the American sign language for Quaker is to sit and twiddle your thumbs, like literally do your thumbs around each other. Oh no, in kidding. A twiddle. Oh wow. Burn. Sick burn. ASL. Mary, what a fact. <laughs> know that. <laughs> well, my one of my favorite quirky museums is in Los Angeles, and it's called the Museum of Broken Relationships. Ooh. And of course, uh, it's, it's no longer there. R.I.P. Well, yes, I'm about to tell that. Oh, but um, <laughs> as you Sorry. can imagine, about broken relationships, these people are divorced or broken up from the one they once loved, and now it's permanently closed. And the uh, note on the door says uh, that they are looking um, for an alternative venue that will permit a more dynamic and intimate experience. And I'm thinking that's exactly what they're people mailing things into them are looking for. But anyway. What is it? 
tell them what it is. Well, it's items mailed in that reminds them of the love loved one that they once were married to or in a relationship with. So it's yeah. items. The, the guy who set up the museum, by the way, did a book a few years ago called Post Secret that if you've never read is incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, where I've read that. Basically, the project was you were supposed to send in an anonymous postcard with a secret on it. And the secrets range in that book from... I hate my wife's cooking and I don't ever want to tell her to I killed a guy one time. Like it's yeah, that level. So it is, it is freaky. so captivating to listen to or to, to read rather. And his new project uh, released uh, the new as of 2015 when I think when this museum started was uh, you were supposed to send in one item that represent your last uh, failed relationship. I have two things to say about that. One is... I love to read reviews of every place I visit or every book I read. And in one of the reviews said the exhibits are packed with stories, but they're laid out a bit like Costco. And then (laughs) the other thing that I wanted to share is I had a favorite item that was mailed in, and it was breast implants. Yep. They were added to the 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 divorcee at the at the insistence of the ex-husband, and they were removed while the ink was drying on the divorce papers and mailed to Wait, uh, so the Museum of Broken Relationships. Who sent them in? The husband? No, or the, the wife. wife. The wife. No, okay. the the caption on the breast Just implants is sure. is my favorite in the whole thing because a lot of these uh, items have literally like a page worth of explanation and, and exposition the breast implants literally it's just they're just sitting there right there on the table and it just says he always liked these i never did <laughs> and that was it i was like that's dope and the other one right next gross to it, sister. they they put the two grossest things in the museum right next to each other there was breast implants and then right next to it which is even more unsettling it was uh, about three feet of uh white guy dreadlocks uh, and mm. and it was like uh, you know I was I was dating a hippie chick and now I'm done or something like that <laughs> and it was I was, I was like dude, the the dreadlocks white white guy dreadlocks are the grossest thing on the planet uh, they are worse <laughs> worse than uh, disembodied breast implants oh one of my daughters had a white guy boyfriend and he wanted dreadlocks and we went online to try to figure out how to do it and it involved putting blue toothpaste in his hair and yeah. twiddling around our fingers it was really disgusting yeah it's uh you should you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. And I, I have heard that if you go to Jamaica or someplace where black people do dreadlocks or the Rastafarians do their dreadlocks, they take great offense at white people wearing dreadlocks. Well, I don't care. If I want a dreadlock, by golly, I'm going to well, wear they, it. But they do it as a religious, you know, part of their religion. And it's like, yeah, I know, wearing you're a ro- you're, it would be like somebody well, wearing wear a rosary a, around wear, their neck. No, I wear a St. Christopher around mine. And I understand that. But you, you, while we were in Ave Maria Grotto, you guys were all buying up the medals. I'm the only Catholic here. <laughs> I, was talking to the, I was talking to the cute brother that was the checkout guy. <laughs> Yeah, he was cute, yeah. but unfortunately unavailable. Well, Marion, I do imagine you have been to a weird museum. I, I just can't think that you're the only one who hasn't. Well, you do know that I don't travel, but with that said, yes, I have. I've been to Mr. Ed's Elephant Museum in Pennsylvania, which... I absolutely. How does a horse have a museum? It's an elephant museum. (laughs) Well, Mr. Ed was this. Mr. Ed was an elephant, and it was in a trailer. And well, there was a big mechanical elephant in the front yard. 
Mr. Ed was his name. And you walked into a trailer, and there were showcases built into the trailer, and there was a candy counter. You could buy circus peanuts. You could buy all kinds of candy from our childhood. And then every... Still left over from the childhood. Yeah. (laughs) What would that be? Well, she said circus circus peanuts. peanuts. All of the circus peanuts that were ever made were made in 1950. I like those (laughs) cigarettes. Oh, the candy candy cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah, Yeah, I used to buy those for my son, John David, at the Conoco. Well, that's wrong. (laughs) And he'd sit up in his car seat with a root beer in one hand and a candy cigarette in the other and just puff down no, Gay no. Street. Drive no, me, I, mother. I do not, did not allow Rivers to buy those. I just bought some on our second-to-last road trip at the Dismal's Canyon. That was my souvenir with some candy cigarettes. I used to buy the... They used to have the cigars, the candy cigars, yeah. which they are just... They were bubble gum. They were bubble gum, and they were for, I guess, like, for... Because they had blue ones and pink ones, so if you were a dad having a boy or a dad having a girl and they didn't want you to smoke, uh, I was like 10 and they were the cheapest thing at Sweet Auburn the uh, the briefly lived uh, candy store uptown so cut to me and my friends eating about uh, about a fist size wad of bubble gum uh. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead Mary well there were there were figurines from every decade I mean it, it was uh, of elephants everything in there was elephant or when did you go there, to this Mary it was in Pennsylvania but I, it, you can google but it I when? don't know when I'm wondering if my sister-in-law was with you no, 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 no. Linda was not with us on that trip. It was just my parents, John, David, and me. And it was, to me, the highlight of the whole trip was the Elephant Museum, which left my parents speechless. This was the <laughs> highlight of your trip? Yes. Was it a double-wide trailer yes, or Yes, it was a wide? large trailer that had been, in the words of, you know, people today, it had been gutted and had showcases and china cabinets and things installed and then in columbus georgia more recently i went to the lunchbox museum and some of you that used to be in seal well it's in columbus now yeah i've been to it when it was in seal alabama where was it in seal i didn't even know it used to be are you sure it wasn't in salem no well no it might have been in salem i believe i think it was in salem must have been in salem yes it was in salem at the antique store words Mm -hmm. one of those s words speaking of ninjas we just had a ninja i know katie joined us and just in time for the mystic moment (laughs) do you have a mystic moment katie no I got the website up, by the way, for Mr. Ed's Elephant Museum and Candy Emporium. Yes. Uh, Mr. Ed Gottwalt is the founder and former owner of Mr. Ed's Elephant Museum and Candy Emporium and a beloved Gettysburg area legend. He and wife Pat sold the business to his granddaughter, Nicole. They sold it? Why did you just give it to Nicole? Come on. Uh, born in York, PA in 1936 to a single mother, he learned early the value of hard work. Oh, this guy's a Republican. Uh, he did not receive a formal education beyond the eighth grade, but he did it anyway. He was able to pull it up by his own bootstraps. Now he owns his own elephant museum, damn it. And uh, camping uh, emporium. Yeah, you know, and camping. Everybody. Everybody's uh, got to have a dream. Yeah, Mr. Ed is a <laughs> self-made businessman. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you keep... If I keep scrolling down this, he's going to have something to say about, you know. Well, we're in mystic moments. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, I, so I, I interrupted. Welcome, I was, welcome back. Yes. Uh, are you, since you're sort of an honorary mystic, do, I'm afraid to ask, do you have a mystic moment? Oh, me? What? What is, uh, what, what is that? Well, we don't sure. know. We have no idea. Oh, it's just, just a, I, a free I forum? I have one if y'all can't. I can, I, we have one. All the right, mystics who went to um, Decatur, we have one. Decatur. Uh, well, Moulton. Oh, my. <laughs> 
was Moulton, we yeah, stayed I didn't in get Decatur. Oh, right then, Decatur Gail. Trip. Did you? It's just wherever we spent the night is where, and we stayed in Decatur. As we were in Moulton, we had a mis- mystery murder in a place that was... <laughs> yeah, and Mary turned into Scarlett O'Hara. I swear to God, she said fiddle-dee-dee. She did. <laughs> I heard her. She was a murderer. And I was the murderer, but I didn't know until the last Everybody voted act. for the queen. Did you notice that? Yeah. I got every vote as the murderer, but Mary was the murderer. No, that cute guy got uh, my vote. I'm sorry, Gail. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was cute. Omar, who was really Mike. Yes, Omar, who was really Mike. This house was... Uh, Ravenwood, and the house itself was a roadside attraction. Oh my it was God, yes. two or three old-timey log cabins put together. The bedroom... One and of the, a prairie house. In a prairie house. The bedroom itself was a prairie house. What's a prairie house? Well, it's just it's a flat roof. <laughs> one flat, room... Look, think the Dust Bowl. Flat roof. Okay. Sod roof? No. Uh, no, just flat. Okay, yeah. it may have been sod. a lot, a lot of prairie point. houses sure. had sod on the yeah. roofs. Yes, but they had one little cabin, one room cabin with a fireplace that was a bedroom, and then they built the rest of the house over that. And every nook and cranny in this thing was full of oddities. And and the and the wonderful owners were Dwayne and Alice, yes. Yes. who were really yes. fantastic. It reminded me a lot of the Winchester House. The, the, the who who here has been to the Winchester House? I haven't Not been I. to it, but I saw the movie Winchester year before last. Um, I wish that movie was better. They they wasted it such a good been, story on such a dumb movie. I, mean, I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it at the same time that I realized it wasn't a great movie. Yeah, but um. Yeah. What was the Winchester house? Uh, Sarah Winchester was the uh, daughter of the man who invented the Winchester uh, oh. rifle, uh, which is also known as the gun that won the West, yes. and uh, took all of the money from Winchester Arms, moved to San Jose, California, and she either, I can't remember if she was never married or if her husband died young, but at any rate, she lived in this house by herself and sort of uh, slowly but surely the ghosts of all of the men that were killed by her her uh, family's rifle began oh, haunting cool. her brain. <laughs> and so she hired this construction team to continuously build out the house. So the house started off a certain size and then he, she was like, the ghosts are chasing me. So she built these stairwells that would go up into nowhere. She would build these huge additions that just dropped off. There's one place where literally you open the door and it's a 50 foot drop straight down to the rocks at the bottom and uh the, the house is out it's it's beyond cool but that was a little bit like this house and she <laughs> no, did not support yeah. the nra yeah but there's uh but yeah the house is beyond cool but the only thing is they actually will make you uh they say no pictures and so of course i was taking tons of pictures and they've got little they tried to arrest they got cameras it. everywhere so they they jump on your boo-boo about that did yeah. you get to keep the pictures or did they, oh yeah. Were there ghosts in the pictures? No, no ghosts in the pictures. There was uh, there was some cool like there's a big window that looks like a spider web that was made by Tiffany. Uh, so it's oh, like wow. an extremely expensive window that looks out over like the entire sort of maze of the house. But yeah, basically the house was uh, built up to confuse ghosts. The closest thing to something I guess artistic was that they had one bathroom covered in postcards. And they were postcards that Cracker Barrel had bought. Wasn't that right? And some of them were not politically correct. So this couple bought up all the postcards because they were afraid to sell them. But they were old-fashioned type of postcards. And they, they wallpapered the bathroom in them. Okay. Back to Mystic Moments. Which <laughs> nobody knows what it is. I have one if y'all don't. 
Go ahead. Okay. I was looking. I was perusing uh, the internet the other day, and I found something called the Genius Grant. It's uh, presented by the MacArthur Foundation, John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, and. Uh, I think the money involves like $625,000, which I thought we could use. There's no unsolicited nominations. Anyone out there, you know, that can nominate, and we don't know because those are secret, they're looking for novelty or those that have shown extraordinary originality and dedication to their creative pursuits and a marked capacity for self-direction. Now, isn't that us? Well, I was going to say, and that right there, you have just read my New Year's resolution, so <laughs> <laughs> I think we should go in and well, apply. Let's, let's see if, uh, if Mystic Katie um, has been to a weird museum. Some, I think so. Didn't we go to one together in New Mexico? Do you remember the one that we went to that meandered about? I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's famous or maybe infamous is the word for it. So that's the only one I can think of. Right what was minute. in it? Oh, not, no, I just have one I went to that was cool. Oh, good, good, because okay. you're going to save me from this moment of <laughs> complete total You, you think about it. Okay. One that I thought of um, is a museum in Florence, Italy, called La Specola. Trevor, so if you want to look that up. Oh, I will. By the way, that's the spider oh, window. the Tiffany window. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> we need to put these pictures on. I'll, I'll send them to the, uh, to yes. the, to the Twitter person. No, if you ever go to Florence, and I, I'm not sure, I think it's still open. It's not open all the time. It's what was like it called again? Spe La Specola, I think S-P-E-C-O-L-A. I may be spelling that wrong. Gotcha. Uh, but it's in the Boboli Gardens. It has a little door, and you go in, and what it is, it's these wax figures that are beautiful. They're lying on these silk beds, but they, you can open them up, and you can see their internal organs because it was made... <coughs> the figures were made as a teaching tool oh, for yeah. doctors. Yep. But the women are laying out, they have long hair, and it's just so eerie. It's really... Is it real hair? Yeah, well, it looks like it. I yeah. mean, they're, they're I mean, wax figures. I know, wax figures, but real hair, yeah, or looks, is it... It looks real. So it's the oldest scientific museum in Europe. Uh, it is a collection of wax anatomical models from the 18th century. It's located in uh, Palazzo Torigani at Via Romano near the Pitti place. Uh, so uh, La, Specola means, uh, La Specola means the observatory. Yeah, it's and it's called. just a little door if you go past the Pitti Palais. You this go, there's a door on that road. <laughs> and you can, and you can, How did yeah. you find it? Uh, the friends had seen it and said, you, n you need to go when you're in Florence. And what, in Florence. In Florence. We went to Florence. We didn't see that, did we? It's River not Langley? easy to so. see. It's, okay. it's kind we of We weren't there, but what, a day and a half? Yeah, and you got pooped on by a bird. Did you go to oh, Italy? I remember that. <laughs> That's the one thing I remember from Florence. Do you Florence. know when you get pooped on by a pigeon, what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to let it dry. It's lucky. <laughs> what, because it's lucky? And then... <laughs> And then you can then you can brush brush it out. Is that because okay. of bad luck or just bad results? <laughs> I think that Hell might least. have been a mystic moment. I think yeah, there it, was. it is. What yeah. to do when you're pooped on by a pigeon? Um, have you guys heard of the Mütter Museum? The Mütter. No, the Mütter. Is that Mother Museum? So, so very very similar to what you're talking about. So the uh, the Mütter Museum is in Philadelphia, and uh, I went there uh, just recently, and it's part of the uh, College of Physicians of Philadelphia. So uh, Philadelphia College. The Mütter Museum is basically a gigantic museum dedicated to freakish mutations of the human body. So it's a museum of disease and malady, and so you can walk around, and there's just these glass jars 
that are filled with, uh, you know, weird livers and two-headed babies and, you know, tumors. I always and love it, it's It's gruesome to say the least and you're uh the unfortunately you're not allowed to take pictures inside the museum because that was the main reason i wanted to go was just like you know take some take some pictures of uh, freakish stuff but yeah they've got uh so over oh and then bones tons and tons of bones uh the Mütter museum is home to over three thousand osteological specimens including several full skeletons one of the most famous of these is a fully articulated skeleton of harry raymond eastlack who s- suffered from fop uh and he donated his uh, skeleton to the uh, Mütter museum what and is fop is so, Mütter a, a person that's a, that's who it's named after yeah it's uh, i believe I he's the it's german for Mütter. can you spell it it is m-u-t-t-e-r he uh yeah so uh FOP, fibrodysplasia, ossificans, progressiva is an extremely rare connective tissue disease. Uh, so basically, his entire body is just completely connected fused. by, <laughs> by like fused together. Yeah, it's 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 awful. Uh, but thank, yeah, the, thank you for mentioning this. To us. <clears throat> the museum has uh, fifteen hundred wet specimens acquired between the nineteenth and twenty first century. Uh, they got cysts, they got tumors, they got uh, nearly every organ of the body. It's also got wax models, which is what made me think of it as well. They have a malignant tumor removed from Grover Cleveland's hard palate. Uh, <laughs> they've got the conjoined liver and plaster torso death cast of uh, the Siamese twins Chang and Ng, who I believe you've mentioned on this uh, this year podcast before. Uh, a piece of the thoracic tissue removed from John Wilkes Booth. A section of the brain of Charles Gateau. You all know who Charles Gateau was? No, not he me. was the crazy guy who shot Garfield. He's uh, oh. he was a he was a madman with a gun. Can you believe it in America? And also uh, the uh, the uh, Chevalier Jackson foreign body collection. Okay. Um, but yeah, well, so the uh, that's pretty gross. But yeah, so the Mütter Museum is named for Dr. Thomas Dent Mütter, who died in 1859, and he was an innovative American surgeon. And another old timey museum like that is in Paris, the old Natural History Museum. Oh yeah, it's really fantastic. Oh, have you been to the one in New York? The Natural History Museum in New York yes. is uh, amazing. Yeah. But also because of the American Antiquities Act, when they made the Natural History Museum like a national historic landmark, that froze it in time. So they can't actually update it. Well, yes and no. It's it's great, but also there are there is a section like the wing of Asian people, and you're just like, okay, this seems offensive. <laughs> like Mary, did you go to a museum? An odd museum. I've been to so many museums, but I, my head was not on odd museums when I was thinking about this, but I can segue this right into what my head was in. Beautiful. So first of all, you didn't used to have to go to the Mütter Museum to see that stuff. All you had to do was go to the Lee County Fair, and I'm not kidding. In yeah. the exhibition hall, you could see two-headed babies and all kinds of organs and things in formaldehyde, and my brother and I used to... Um, naked ladies dancing, Yes, too. we used to sneak to the tent where the naked ladies danced and... <laughs> look under the tent at the naked ladies and there were sword swallowers and things like that and my brother would come home and and he swallowed swords i mean he he stuck these long fake swords down his mouth just from watching it at the lee county fair so that that segues me into what i was had on my mind and that was the roadside attractions when i was little and there was one that a lot of folks don't seem to remember they're so stuck in my head do y'all remember giant slides I've got a picture here. Giant slides. I've looked for them before several years ago on, Don't they on have that Google. They got one at Whitewater. 
Well, these are old, metal, bumpy. They'd give you a burlap bag. Oh, wow. And they were huge, as you can see from these pictures. Yeah. And um, Why did they ever discontinue that? Oh, they were fantastic. <laughs> so there, there was one in Birmingham. I just discovered this today because I was starting to think I had dreamed up giant slides. Nobody yeah. except my brother, and he's no longer living, but nobody could remember these with me. But lo and behold, now you can find I them. I think they had one in Marietta, Georgia. Like I said, the one I remember is a water slide that looks just like that from uh, from Whitewater in Atlanta. Uh, that's that's the, that's the yeah, one I've done. They're a little more prissy now yeah. than these big old garga- gargantuan that metal looks, wavy things. That looks like Action Park. Do you all know about Action Park? So in, in New Jersey, uh, there was this park that was uh, basically it was a ski resort uh, in New Jersey. In, and in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, the owner of the ski resort was like, hey, I'd love to get some business coming in here in the summer. Let's build some like water park type attractions to get people to the ski resort in the summer. And uh, one of the things they built, which looks eerily similar to that, was called the Alpine Slide. And the Alpine slide was actually not a water slide. It was a, a trough, a cement trough that made its way down the mountain. And the vehicle that you got on to navigate the trough, and this is this should raise several eyebrows if you're trying to run an amusement park, the person riding the vehicle had control of the speed of descent. They have one of those in Helen, Georgia. Now. Do they have one in Helen, Georgia now? Right. Yeah. So... You know, if if you're listening just passively and you're not thinking about what I'm saying, you get on this thing and you have control over whether you use the brakes. Now you combine a, and also this park I should mention had a brewery on site and it was manned completely by 17 year olds who had no training in security. Everybody is wasted and they would get on these slides and it's just all these like idiots from New Jersey just being on like those cars at the beach and you were so excited you forgot to listen to where the oh, park yeah. was. Oh, I can I can ease right into that, but they uh <laughs> uh but yeah, so it's all these like, you know, drunk idiots from New Jersey just being like, "Hey Tony, check it out, no hands." And then they would hurt themselves. There were so many injuries from Action Park that Action Park was forced by the government of the town that they were in New Jersey to buy their own ambulance because so many people were having to be driven to the hospital from Action Park. And uh, Action Park is notable for the Alpine Slide, but their other main attraction that they're known for was the uh, Cannonball Loop, which is basically the owner would come up with these crazy ideas and would draw them on a napkin and then would hand them to his engineer, just like, I don't know, build this. And one of the things he came up with was a slide with a loop-de-loop. Problem is, water doesn't do that. So (laughs) you go down the slide, and theoretically you would be going at such a rate of speed that you could loop the loop. The problem is the water just sort of like sits there. So you were essentially, you would go down, you'd hit the water, and then you would just be thrown upwards into a dry like tube and you would bounce around and hopefully loop the loop. They actually had to build an escape hatch at the top because so many people kept getting stuck. The other problem, and this would only be a problem later in the summer. So most people at a water park, you're barefoot, right? And you walk up the slide, you walk through some sand up to the slide, you get on the slide. The water goes down through the filter. The sand starts to collect there. So but midway through the summer, all of the little grains of sand that had collected on people's feet have now accumulated at the bottom right before you loop the loop. So as you're going down, you go at an incredible rate of speed. Your back is raked across essentially sandpaper, and then you are tossed uh, free, just 
over a tube, a very dry, dry tube. That's Action Park. Uh, they made a movie last summer with Johnny Knoxville from Jackass called Action Point. And again, back to your point about the Winchester movie, I was so sad that they wasted a great story on a terrible movie because I'm like, the, this is hilarious. Um, I, I yeah. think that this should be next season's Stranger Things site, though. It's like oh. the Upside Down is there. and you know, Yeah. I mean, it would just be perfect. <laughs> yeah. They had uh, the, other, oh, the other attraction that I love in that one is uh, they had a slide that ended... 20 feet above a, uh, a spring, a, a natural spring, but they didn't tell anybody that the slide just ended. So you get on it thinking it's a normal water slide, and then all of a sudden the slide ends, and it's a two-story free fall oh into oh my God. an ice-cold pit of water uh, because it's a spring. It's the Have only... Have been there? No, it's, uh, it, it's closed and reopened a couple of times. I actually uh, uh, found out about it. There's a great podcast called The Dollop, and they did a episode about Action Park that is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Uh, and then what you were talking about, there's a place in Gulf Shores, Alabama called Adventure Park, where, yeah, we were sitting there waiting to do the go-karts, and they're making the announcement of where the brakes are. I was 10. What the... Basically, what the announcement consisted of was they told you where the gas is, where the brakes are, and that we were going to do five laps around the around the track. And we were done with our five laps. We were supposed to come back into the, the starting point, the station. I didn't listen to any of that. And so I uh, just figured out where the gas was, and I thought we were doing one lap. So we did one lap. And then I started coming back into the station. Problem is, all the teenagers that were working there were sitting there, like smoking cigarettes, just waiting for us to come around five times. And then I came in full speed and just crashed into all the other cars because I didn't know. That's I didn't know where the gas, the, the well, brake pedal I was. I, I don't think we can stop talking about weird museums till I mention my very top favorite. All right. And that is the Museum of Jurassic Technology, which is in California, in LA, Culver City. And it's. Um, cultural curiosities there were several things in there that i loved one was the library as an ex estate sale dealer i can tell you that when people move out of their houses their children or die their children take the bookcases and dump the books on the floor so what i have to do or had to do was take the good books and find a place to put them and then take the crappy books and donate them well the library in the Museum of Jurassic Technology is filled with the books I donated. And they're awful books, such as Does God Love Michael's Two Daddies? And uh, Success in Commercial Real Estate, Life Cycles of the Raccoon, etc. So uh, I went with my darling son, Rivers, and he said, look, these are fake books. And I said, no, no, these aren't fake books. I donated them. They're real books. Uh, and my second favorite place in the Museum of Jurassic Technology, and this, by the way, puts everyone in mind, it's, a, it's cultural curiosities, puts everyone, in, well, me in mind, of the cabinet of curiosities. But my favorite, favorite thing in there, uh, besides the Garden of Eden on Wheels, which is a collection of Los Angeles area trailer parks done in, in miniature, is something, the, the room called The Lives of Perfect Creatures, and it's oil paintings of the dogs that the Russians sent in space, along with their own little brass light over them. <laughs> and then last of all, there's a Russian tea garden on the roof. So Filled with albino pigeons. Yes. Yeah. Ring, ring-necked. Ring-necked. Yeah. yeah. Would those be doves? <laughs> no, no, they're albino pigeons because they still got the, you know, they got the, the weird, uh, you know, gray wings and stuff like that. Well, so, we're going far, far away from home. I'm sorry, that's Katie. Okay. 
you know, we have some curiosities here. For example, we have a monkey cage in Opelika. And it used to have real spider monkeys in it until I can't remember what hurricane came through and blew the monkeys away. But <laughs> they have rebuilt. <laughs> it was, it was probably Opal, yeah. yes. That's one of my earliest memories is seeing those monkeys those, in this cage. Those little yeah. monkeys flying around. Jimmy had a, a horror story. He thought he saw a baby under a tree. <laughs> um, but he, uh, it was a, a little monkey running towards him. To, sorry, somebody to save him. But they have put bronze monkeys in the monkey cage now so that it is still oh, for years cool. and years been called monkey park yeah. so everybody was going there of course we have our own curiosity here at the jules colin smith museum if you haven't seen the uh, bunny men in the lake they're disturbing <laughs> but and they just took them out not too long ago to clean them but it's two little men with beards and mustaches uh, with little children's bunny suits on, and they sit in the lake looking at each other. Do you know Carol Johnston, who's a fisheries um, researcher at Auburn? She does acoustic, how acoustics affect fish yes. underwater. Her lab used to be right across the street from them, and they would have, her graduate students had a great time. They would get in their wetsuits and go out there and decorate the bunnies and things at, in, at night, and then <laughs> they'd come in the next morning and there'd be... Mardi Gras jewelry on them and things like that. Perfect, perfect. (laughs) So the one thing that I did finally think of as a museum is that several years ago, I was down in Eufaula, and I stopped at the Tom Mann Museum. Oh, yes. Again, Have you already done talks about this? No. Okay. Yeah. So Tom Mann was um, created fishing lures Mm -hmm. that were famous, and he, he, there's a long story. That could be a whole episode. But I went there thinking, well, this I've driven past this for years, and it's just time to stop. So I paid my $5 to get in. I was the only person in the museum. Most of the lights didn't work, or they were fluorescent lights that were just sort of strobing. And you walk around, and there were moth-eaten stuffed animals and paintings and dioramas of Native Americans <laughs> in rather revealing clothing, you know, really voluptuous. Was this a a museum or the home of a depressed person? Well, you know, it was a museum. And so anyway, it was creepy and it was circular and there was in the middle is a big aquarium. A fish tank, yeah. was not in great shape. So it was full of fuzzy things and a few fish. So I walked around and suddenly I saw something in the dark moving and I realized it was an alligator, a live alligator (laughs) that had crawled in because it's right on Lake Eufaula. It had crawled in and was just wandering around the hallways. It was Jesus. small and not fast. But I left at that point. But it was Why? Alligators enjoy culture, too. You, tell story, you demand your $5 back. I no, didn't no. because then I went over and met Lightfoot. Do you know who Lightfoot <gasps> oh is? Oh, my God. Mary knows Lightfoot. I know Lightfoot. Oh. Lightfoot and Marky did Lightfoot for one of my yes. stories. He was at the convenience store He's next door. That made this $5 a, worth it. A Native American... God. <laughs> He's really good looking. And how did you meet Lightfoot? He was in the convenience store next door chatting up the clerk. But I walked in and here's this gorgeous man with gorgeous long black hair and buckskins, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. And, and he turned around. He was just as gorgeous turned uh-huh. around, too. And I was just <laughs> stood there. I thought this was worth all the money that Forget I Forget it, Rivers. You're outnumbered. I have been trying to track... I have been Lightfoot too. down for years. Ironically, he was a tracker, but he—that's um, <laughs> probably why we can't find it. He has made tracks from from that area. But this morning, my mama said, "You're going to have to talk about 
the alligators coming up to the Tom Mann Museum. And I said, but Mama, I haven't seen the alligators that came up to the Tom <laughs> Mann Museum. So thank you, Katie. Thank you for that story. Well, if we, um, if anyone out there knows where this uh, handsome... Lightfoot. Lightfoot is. I don't know where he is, but in a very mystic moment, I was cleaning out a bunch of old papers one time, and lo and behold, there was this photograph of Lightfoot. And so I called Marion, and I said, Marion, is this your picture of Lightfoot? She said, yes, I've been looking for that for years. <laughs> so Lightfoot has made the rounds suspiciously. I have no idea how I got it. A couple of years ago, I went through Eufaula and stopped and asked at the Chamber of Commerce and the newspaper if anybody had any leads. And they looked at me like I had lost my mind. I think they were covering up. They, to, well, I'm sure. There, there, were, there were some stories that we won't talk about yeah, on the that, air. That's another episode. Right. But the other thing about that museum is that's also where the um, headstone of Leroy Brown, the bass. Bad, bad Leroy? It, it, well, the bass, the, the bass that was Tom Mann's pet bass um, who had died and Porter Wagner was one of the pallbearers. So that headstone has been since wow. moved to somewhere in downtown you, Ufala. You know recently. I went to high school with Tommy Mann. No. Tom Mann's son. Well, this has just been so enlightening. Can I do one more? I suppose you should. <coughs> does anybody else, before Rivers goes on and on, does anybody else have a museum that they did not get to mention? I was only going to mention that Elvis's Cadillac used to sit out in front of Digger O'Dell's store and sell for <laughs> no. all my childhood. <laughs> say, say that again slowly. Elvis's Cadillac used to sit out in front of Digger O'Dell's store and seal most of my childhood. What did you buy him? Well, you, Digger O'Dell's store was just a store like you'd see alongside the road. You could get gas or cigarettes or candy. How do you know that was Elvis's Cadillac? Because Digger O'Dell bought it from Elvis. Oh, well, then it must have been. And I have to say that one time at a roadside zoo, such a thing used to exist, I got in a cage with a bear and it hugged me. And this is a true story and probably explains my intense phobia of bears. Well, and should, because <laughs> bears cannot be pevloved. I mean, they may hug you one time, and the next time they might eat you. Well, my parents must have been out of their ever-loving minds to Did let they? me get in a cage with a bear. Or they you. Or that. <laughs> or did, you, did you see the Werner Herzog film? Yes, I can't talk about oh, it. Oh, Grizzly Man? Yeah. Yes. Oh, Beverly, you must never listen to this. It will be the elephant in the room the rest of your life. <laughs> And then, and then and then he released it to NPR, and you can hear it, and it's exactly as funny as you think it would be. It's like, oh, hello, Mr. Bear. Ah! <laughs> okay, yeah. that's um, not funny. Our, no, oh, it's not. no, it's not. It's hilarious. Uh, our yeah. beloved guest, Rivers Langley, so handsome. Thus, always to actors, looks uh, just <laughs> like his mother. Would like to share one more museum before we tell how you can get in touch with us. Okay, so uh, May 1st, uh, to, uh, 2019, I was traveling from doing a stand-up comedy gig in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was going up to Richmond, Virginia, and that stretch of road is the most boring stretch of road in America. There's literally nothing between Charlotte and Richmond. It's terrible. And there's a website that I like very much called Atlas Obscura. You can go on there and find all of these sorts of weird museums that we're talking about today. And uh, the only thing that was even sort of interesting between Charlotte and Richmond uh, was in a little town called Littleton, North Carolina. So it was literally a little town, Littleton. And it was the Cryptozoology and Paranormal Museum. So I just kind of went sight unseen, and I drive up and I suddenly realize that this is this is like a guy's house. <laughs> like it's not a museum so much as a man has turned his house into a thing. And so I am like going to knock on the door and before I can even like put my hand on the door to knock on it, 
the door just immediately opens and the guy starts into his spiel and he's got like a very Yankee accent. He's just like, hello, welcome to the museum. My name is Stephen Barcelo. I've worked for 50 years in uh, tabloids. I work for the Daily News. I work for the New York Post. I'm originally from Long Island. I did not set out to buy a haunted house, but that is the situation I find myself in. My wife does not approve of any of this, uh, but I do have a museum here with uh, paranormal items on the left-hand side and uh, cryptozoological <laughs> items on the right-hand side. If you please step inside, uh, like I mentioned, I am from Long Island. I do know Billy Joel, and uh, and then he just he just threw that in casually, like I do know Billy Joel, as if I was going to be like, "You're from Long Island? Well, surely you know Billy Joel." Uh, <laughs> and so basically, he has this how the the front floor of the first floor of his house. His house was built uh, along uh, the what they call King's Road, which was one of the first federal highway that yes. went into the South, built around the time of the right before the Revolutionary War. So it's this old, old house that was used as like kind of a, a hotel and a waypoint, you know, during during the 1700s. And uh, so it's it's this very old house, and he's got one side of the foyer has been turned into the paranormal side, which features such thing as the haunted hay crane. Ooh. That is just a oh, yeah. regular old hay crane that oh. apparently uh, several people hung themselves from. So, oh my God. It, which really doesn't really say anything about haunting. It's more just like yeah, everybody you know back in those days needed meds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is really it's, a, it's it's like everything. It's like a healthcare issue. Um, and then uh, the other item that I really loved in the part in the paranormal side of the museum was this one which is there is a uh, a haunted doll and there's a little thing that explains the story it's just like uh yeah this this doll moved on its own one time and uh so now we have it in a box with a camera on it so if it ever moves again we'll be able to catch it moving haunted doll <laughs> and so huh? oh you have this doll <laughs> did it did it try to strangle you in the night or anything <laughs> you got to talk into the mic <laughs> but yeah, so they've, so they've got the doll in the box. They've got explanations next to all the items on the paranormal side. And then you go over to the Bigfoot side, and it looks like this. So he's got all of the kind of castings of Bigfoot feet that he's found around. He's got a large statue of Bigfoot. There's the haunted doll. I know I got there's me with the Bigfoot statue. Uh, <laughs> but uh, You're almost as tall as Bigfoot. I know, impressed. right? It's impressive. Here's the fun part. He wanted to, Stephen Barcello, who I'm now Facebook friends with, he likes all of my likes all my stuff, you know, he listens to my podcast. He's a nice guy. What's I'm not his name again? Stephen Barcello. He is head of he added me to the uh, East Coast Bigfooting uh, Facebook page. He wanted me to do a Bigfoot hunt that night. He's like, Yeah, yeah, we're actually doing a Bigfoot hunt tonight. And I was like, ah, I gotta be in Richmond, man. Sorry, I'll come back. He had just had his first Bigfoot festival the weekend before. And he was like, yeah, it was a pretty good turnout for the first festival. We had a guy from uh, the Finding Bigfoot television show was here. And, uh, you know, we had about 200 people show up. I was like, that's pretty good. I mean, this town is like probably not even 200 people. And uh, and I mentioned that I was a comic. And I was traveling. He's like, yeah, you know, next year we, we were thinking about, uh, you know, doing something a little bit edgier. If you were interested in coming back, I was like, dude, 100%. <laughs> doing comedy for 200 Bigfoot weirdos in the woods? Absolutely, right up my alley. And uh, but the funny part is, he wanted to put up a sign that advertised this museum, and so he was going to put up a big sign on the side of the road that said, "Come see the Cryptozoology and Paranormal Museum." So uh, basically, he applied. They denied him, and they were, and he was like, "Who do I talk to? Why can't I put up my sign?" And they're like, "Well, that would be the county commissioner." So he ran for county commissioner on a pro Bigfoot platform yes. and yes. won. 
He won. He destroyed the county commissioner, and now he has his sign. And uh, in his campaign ad, he had, like it said, vote for Stephen Barcelo. He had an old photo of the city of Littleton from like the 1890s. And uh, he was just like, yeah, check out my campaign post. Do you notice anything weird? And it's like an old picture, old black and white picture of the town. I was like, no. He's like, look over there. I put a little Bigfoot in it. <laughs> and he loved it. Uh, so he put like the little the little shadow of Bigfoot walking across the road from the 1890s. You know, it's uh, funny you should say that because they are, I have visited two Bigfoot museums, one in Oregon, and they are mad for Bigfoot out yeah, in Oregon. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And there is one, ladies, in Blue Ridge, Georgia, where some of the mystics have. Oh, cool. Me. I've been yes. to... Uh, so, Blue Ridge many times, but I managed to miss the Bigfoot Museum. I won't next that's time. That's a shame. <laughs> well, uh, before we close, Rivers, tell us how we can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My uh, handle is at Rivers Langley, and you can check out my podcast. It's called The Goods from the Woods. It comes out every Tuesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, all of the places that you get podcasts. And before I turn this over to Mary to tell um, how we can be found... I would like to say my son Rivers has been home all week and he's been teaching me to tweet. And we always say our DMs are open and I thought, well, I don't quite like that because I have no idea what that means. It sounds a little a little naughty. It so, is. So um, now I know what it is. It's our direct messaging on Twitter. Uh-huh. So I'm thrilled to know that. And you have a new handle too. I do. What is it? It's at Queen Mystic Gale. That's my private That's Twitter. a private, yeah. But the Mystic Order has their own Twitter, and Mary's going to tell you how to find us. I thought it was just very mystical that our Twitter um, account was doing some tweeting lately, and it wasn't me, and so glad to know it was you this time, because we have a ghost tweeter. Okay, let's see. Well, you can find us at, on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is the Mystics Pod, and there's an S after Mystics. You can find us on Facebook at the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers. The best thing if you are actually trying to find out what we're up to is to go to Twitter or Facebook because you can find links to events and all of the places where you can find this podcast. Our books are available on Amazon. Yes, we do. We do write. We're writers. I don't think we mentioned that today. And can I say you can buy our newest book in Opelika on 8th Street at Heritage Gift and Gourmet. You can also buy our books out of the trunks of our cars if you can find any of us. You can contact us through email at themysticspod at gmail.com or you can send us a direct message on Twitter or a message on Facebook and we will come to your pool parties bar mitzvahs, baby showers, book clubs, other events. Tupperware parties. Tupperware parties. I'm supposed to always remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcasts on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I think that's it, folks. And remember, be the flame, not, not the, the moth. moth.